rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. Yo, all right, here we are again. Mamma mia. I always say to my friend, my friend's name is Miho. I go, Mamma mijo. So if she's listening, welcome to Tara Buster. We meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Whoops, there goes the mic. At the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels, and we are rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices or anytime on the Progressive Voices app, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Please give the show a good review on iTunes. Share it with your friends. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. And eventually we can have a daily show. That's, that's the goal. If you become a patron of RDT Daily, you're not just a patron of this show. You're a patron of the website and all the work that we do, writing original liberal articles and the content that we create and curate over at RDT Daily, at the RDT Daily Facebook page and Instagram. You know what I'm saying. F Facebook, right? Oof. But it's like a necessary evil. I hate them all. It's what can you do? Living in this world, uh, it's really depressing. You got to give that Greta Thunberg a lot of credit. Putting her money where her mouth is, but when I'm thinking about it, and if the, I saw some picture of, Gre- of Greta Thunberg sitting on a train eating, I don't know what she was eating, but there, were, there was a, a plastic wrapper sitting next to her. So the conservatives went nuts. Look at plastic, there's plastic there. Because you're of the world, so you're supposed to not have any right to say anything about it, I suppose, according to them. Because then you're a hypocrite. Al Gore flies on a plane, so let's all destroy the planet to prove a point. I really hate these conservatives. I hate them. I know I should be a better person, but give me something. Please, somebody, give me something to... To like about them. Is there something that we can say, oh, well, at least they do this, or at least they contribute in that way? But what do they do? Are they advancing the causes of democracy? Are they advancing uh, democracy around the world? No. Are they advancing it at home? No. Are they helping the people they pretend to represent? The people who vote for them? No. Are they doing anything to make this world a better place, to advance us, to send us to, the, to Mars, right? To explore the mysteries of the universe. No, they're not. If they had their way, we would be living in the dark ages again. We're, and, and that's really the end of the story. That's the end of the conservative um, game plan. You don't have to really, you know, uh, be a psychic. You just look at, the, look at the causes they're making today. Look at what they are doing to us. Uh, every, and there is a, everything is cause and effect. So we've been here before. And we fought, our founders fought a revolution to escape it. And it is our patriotic duty to you know, stand up and fight these bastards because they really are the problem. They are the problem. Republicans are 
uh, unfit. I always say this. It's the truth. I want this to get out into the, the, the zeitgeist, into the consciousness. We need to have a conversation. Can we sit down? It's like when you have to talk to, to, to kids about sex. The, we have to talk about the, the conservative albatross hanging around our necks. What, and really what it is, it, it's okay if you don't like democracy. If you're a conservative and you're, you're not for a democratic republic, a constitutionally limited democratic republic, let's just say that's fine, but admit it at least. Admit it. Say you're more comfortable with living under a treasonous con man who sucks autocrat ass on the national stage because you're you're more comfortable having a big daddy white man telling you what to do. You don't want any uh, black people. Uh, you know, Obama. Forget about that. That's what what is a, what is an Obama doing in the White House? Except he should be working in the kitchen. Not He shouldn't be in the Oval Office. So I, it's okay if that's what you believe. I mean, not that I, I, I subscribe to those beliefs. I'm fine. But at least you can admit it. You know, you go all over the world, at least in these parliamentary systems, the fascists admit it. Hi, Tara Jr. Jr. All right. This, he's been really clingy today. Sit down. Be, be good. Be a good boy. Mamma mia. Sit down. He's such a pain in my ass. I mean, I love him. I love this cat. But, you know, you do need your lap now and then. And, you know, he is, he is. I, I'm his whole world. What can you say? That's what I say to myself when I get annoyed because he's constantly wants to sit on my lap. I'm like, I want my lap. But I'm like, oh, this is this is his whole. I'm his whole world. I wish I could find a human that loves me like this. Anyway, not nah. Who cares? Whatever. Moving on. Moving on. All right, Junior, sit. My hand. I can't pet you. God damn it. My hands are not an object. For Christ's sakes. <laughs> this is like an ob. It's just a petting object. All right, sit and be good. We have uh, we have people here. We have an audience here. Yeah, let's let's show you what they. Everybody, see there he is sitting on my lap. All right. Hopefully the camera won't fall now that I moved it. All right. Listen, listen. Yes. Um, where was I saying? Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I was watching these filthy Republicans. So I was thinking about what am I going to talk about today? Uh, obviously, here we go again. It's another fire hose of news every single day. And it never stops. And it's almost, it's kind of, I guess that's part of how fascism takes hold is that it all merges at some point. It becomes this big mush and, and people kind of tune out. But one thing, I wish I had grabbed this. Unfortunately, I didn't. I, I was watching Bill Maher last night, and he went off on uh, how Democrats have to vote, how we're um, you know, too liberal in the, in the primaries, and how it's, we're really shooting ourselves in the foot, we're, we're turning voters off. And what he was doing was uh, cherry picking. Ex he was doing exactly what the Republicans do, uh, taking something that 
the, a Democratic candidate um, stands for, for instance, in this in in one of the instances, of, he he didn't um, he didn't go off on Joe Biden. So I was I I heard it loud and clear what he what his message was was that the the message of the corporate media and the elite is you we must pick Joe Biden in the Democratic primary because otherwise how are we going to get Republicans to vote for Joe Biden? Like uh, no who. It, what? That's not how we're going to win. I'm so tired of this. And they they do it. They attack the pro- progressive candidates using Republican talking points and and Republican strategies like taking a one sliver of something that's something that one of the candidates stands for and disingenuously conflating it. For instance, when they um, when he was talking about Bernie, he said that, oh, Bernie wants the the uh, the Boston Marathon bomber to vote. That's that's not what he said. What Bernie was talking about when we were we were talking what his standpoint is to expand voter rights even to those in prison like many other countries on Earth do many democracies do that only here in America we are only one of five countries that disenfranchises people after their after they pay their debts to society but it's all about disenfranchising us from the vote having another way to stop people from voting and so what they when Bernie was asked about his proposal to extend voting rights to prisoners isn't the isn't the point of going to prison that you are rehabilitated so why it, it kind of goes against logic to completely disenfranchise somebody from society you want them to be in society these are our neighbors these are our family members uh that we would hope will be integrated into society. So uh, it doesn't serve anyone to completely uh, disenfranchise a, a prisoner, someone who's incarcerated, from uh, from the mechanisms of government. But whatever, who am I? I'm just a, a lesbian with a podcast over here. But And so what Bill Maher said, he said he was saying exactly what they the republicans do they they he's he presented it as bernie sanders says that that the boston marathon bomber should get a vote that's not what he said but when the when he was pressed on it they said well even the boston marathon bomber and he said yeah even terrible people get to vote in in this uh you know in this proposal so can prisoners vote in other countries can bernie uh this is from newsweek bernie sanders wants felons to cast ballots while incarcerated i don't really see a problem with this i don't know maybe i'm it's because i'm one of these loony liberals but i think it's in society's better interest to bring people into the uh, the the community than to um, you know, cut them off if we're trying to rehabilitate them. Isn't that the point? I don't know. So there are certain countries, where is it? I just tweeted this out earlier. It, it was so, I mean, I'm not going to go off on this because I'm not an expert on this, but this is, 
it's what I I constantly see from the from the so-called left, from the Democratic side. The these elite Democrats bashing it's basically hippie punching uh, progressives and using the tactics of Republicans by take. Of course, that's I expect that from Republicans. I expect them to say that Bernie Sanders says that even that the Boston Marathon bomber should vote. That's not what he said, though. You see, what he's saying is pretty makes makes a lot of sense. To many people, and in the most in this country where we have the uh, the we hold the record for incarcerated human beings on the planet, there are chances are many of us know people who are in prison, who have been in prison, who are on parole, who made mistakes, who paid their debt to society, or on and I mean we all do. So um, there are various levels to crime. So not that everybody's uh, the Boston Marathon bomber, but to use that extreme example, that's what Republicans do. Uh, but I, I see it more and more from people on the left, not, they're not on the left, the Democrat, the DLC-type Democrats, the elites, that want us to be afraid and, uh, and, and pick their already anointed corporate candidate so if if this already anointed corporate candidate is so um, is is such the great white hope for us all, then how come this person can't raise money? I don't know. Why does he have to go and uh, go against his initial instinct not to take corporate money and say, OK, all right. Why, why isn't that a, a reflection of what the what the mood in the country is? If. Um, you're unable to to get people to give you money in this corrupt system where legal bribes are built right into the system. So if you're such the great hope of democracy to oust Twitler and you're the only one who can do it, then how come you can't you can't get money from average people? We you would think that we would be so enthused and so will so uh, tripping over ourselves to fund the our only hope but that's the 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 funny thing is is it's really not what's going on it's only what's happening in the in the ivory tower they're looking down on us and seeing that you know bernie sanders is getting the mo he's he's already i mean he's not generating the most money he has the most donations from the most people and which is a good place to start in this system that is funded by by money because you can go back to these individual donors again and again and again. There's only so many times you can go back to the well in these corporate candidates. So that's why Joe Biden has decided he's going to take super PAC money. But instead of listening, you know what, the, that, that's a mirror. The world is putting up a mirror to you and it's saying, look, there's no enthusiasm. How come? You know, this is what is so confusing to me. If this is, if you're so, um, you know, wonderful and great and you're going to save us all from this this atrocity called Twitler and the Republican Party and we should re uh, all be looking forward to a return to normalcy, is this what I keep hearing on, uh, on the corporate media, how uh, America is longing for normalcy and... We, we and Joe Biden is just the one to do it. So why aren't this? Why isn't this candidate able to 
to uh, generate enthusiasm or donations. I mean, let's see Joe Biden fill up a park with 26,000 people. I don't think so. And that's what's alarming. So for, for these, these elite corporate media mouthpieces to consistently beat this drum, well, I, I see it happening again, that they're going to blame it when they inflict their, their corporate candidate on us and this person fails to meet the mark to 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 beat the most heinous waste of human dna that ever asserted itself into the oval office without despite receiving fewer votes that that uh, they're going to blame the they're going uh, to blame bernie they're going to and they're going to blame uh, elizabeth warren and the progressives because we just went too far to the left what is so far to the left? That's the other thing. People like these policies. It's just the way that these corporate media mouthpieces are framing it. And if they're constantly shaming us, the, the progressives, the, the normal people, the base, they shame us. Oh, with that we shouldn't um, uh, form the circular firing squad. We should shouldn't um and every time there's a democratic debate they're always saying oh well the democrats are attacking each other we shouldn't do that but it's okay for them to consistently attack bernie and consistently and now elizabeth warren too they're attacking her oh she's she never says how she's gonna pay for it how is she gonna pay i don't know i feel like i'm listening to a different um uh, speech when I hear Elizabeth Warren, she has said how she's going to pay for it, and so has Bernie. They say it again and again. But th what does it matter if the corporate media mouthpieces keep repeating how, oh, they never say how they're going to pay for it. They never say. They never say. And then I hear it from, from average people. Well, she never says how she's going to pay for it. She says how she's going to pay for it with a tax, a, a transactional tax, a wealth tax. And uh, Bernie talks about a speculation tax on Wall Street. And uh, there are details, detailed plans. And, you know, the other thing is why we never hear the corporate media mouthpieces say, of course, why? I mean, why am I asking this question? And if we know the answer. But they never seem to get so apoplectic about not just the the endless wars or the the next tax giveaway or the fact that the United States in 40 years is now the least upwardly mobile uh, with the widest income gap of all industrialized nations how it was the exact opposite um, 40 years ago they never seem to get upset about that they think it's uh, that's okay and every day I hear on the corporate media how they're, how, um, oh, it's so punitive. Elizabeth Warren's plans and Bernie's plans, they're so punitive on the rich. Should we punish the rich? What is, there's nothing more punishing than being the, a member of the working poor. The, how much punishment can you take? When you're working your three uniquely American low-paying jobs with no benefits and you can't retire and you're, and you're part of that one-third of Americans who will never retire. I mean, how punishing is that? When, you're, when you find out you have a catastrophic illness, yet, you know, here we are we don't, in, this, uh, in the richest country on earth where 85 million Americans have no health insurance.
So that's pretty goddamn punishing. Not for these elites, though, but they want to beat us. They want to punish us for recognizing the problem. We're here on the front lines of the problems, and we understand it's a way of the way that they frame it. How are you going to pay for it? How about we go and we tax the rich? How's, how about that? We go back to that, that socialist Eisenhower's plan to tax the, the wealthy at a 90% top marginal tax rate. Oh, they'll still get by. You know, they'll still be billionaires, but maybe they won't, be, they won't have $500 billion. You know, they'll, they'll have to muddle through with $2 billion, perhaps. Or maybe, I mean, I wouldn't even say. It's probably like $250 billion. I think after the first couple of billion, who's counting, right? It's unbelievable, though. So that um, where the way that they turn us against each other, the working class against each other, and this is what happens. Uh, it's the story of history, of Western civilization, and it's only uh, how much are we gonna are we gonna fall for it? Are your friends and neighbors gonna fall for it? Because it really is our our obligation to speak up when we hear bullshit, when we hear. Um, I like today somebody was saying to me that they uh, her brother who's kind of a right winger was saying that he was going off on the teachers who are on strike oh what are they on strike for they make $50,000 a year to start well if that's the case good for them but there is a reason I'm sure that they're striking I don't know every detail of it but that's what these the billionaires want us to look at other working people and say, hey, I don't have that. Why are they striking? What? It's the same thing when the, in New York there was a subway strike, a transit strike, and all over the, the media, uh, because we have Rupert Murdoch's New York Post, and, and uh, they were really attacking the union, or the union leaders all on television. Every man on the street interview was a, Get these trains running, and they would always interview an irate commuter who is, and I wished I said, I wish they would interview me because I will walk over this bridge every day as for as long as it takes because they want us to fight against each other, and working people don't seem to understand they only want to they only want to spread the propaganda that we uh that oh if somebody has if they have good benefits, uh, why, hey, I don't have that. They, they would show, they want to spread the propaganda that it's every person for themselves. Not that, you know, we're in this together. Because that's how, they, that's how it all unravels for the elite. As soon as we figure out that we're in it together, I mean, we've already figured it out. You and I, we know that. We're in this together. That's really why, it's part of the reason why I appreciate I've always been a Bernie crat, but they, his, his new frame that I will fight for, for you. I will fight for somebody who is an immigrant, even though I'm native born. I will fight for people who have no health care, even though I have health care. I'll fight for someone who's unemployed, even though I have a job. So that's how we will win. And that's how this country was founded. There's nothing more socialist and progressive than pledging your lives, fortunes, and sacred honor to each other. 
not the uh, to not to yourself, right? So I don't know. It's it's the oldest tricks in the book, though. Divide and conquer, and that's what they want. So you know, my friend's brother was saying, "Oh, I don't have that. I don't have uh, you know. They're making decent money, but." These are, it's, it's a tragic, it's tragedy for, for someone to, th to think that, you know, um, that the, those, those union workers who are on strike, they're, they're not just fighting for themselves. They're fighting for all of us. When they win, we win. You know, we didn't have, we don't have a, a weekend because a billionaire felt like trickling it on us. We have a weekend because people died for that. They fought and died and said, enough. So, uh, this is what we're up against. There's a lot of stupid people in this country, and they, they're, they're legion. They, and they have a lot of, they got big mouths, too. They, and they're, they're it's almost, it's mind-numbing, frankly, all of them. So, um, all right, let's talk about... Let's talk about sex, baby. No, I wish, right? Could you? Wouldn't it be great if this if this country was just functioning and we could just have a fun show where we, you know, a morning. Oh, it's not a morning drive show, <laughs> but a a Saturday get together where we chatted about our lives and cats or something. Here's my kitty. All right, honey, you're gonna have to get down. No, he doesn't want to. Okay, it is what it is. It's hard to do this show with a cat constantly sitting on your lap. But, all right. I can't work under these conditions. I'm sorry. Um, I'm very happy he's here. You're a good boy. You're a good boy. All right. Uh, let's, let me, so today, this week, all right, we lost Elijah Cummings. And uh, I didn't know he was sick. So they're saying he, if everybody knew he was sick for a long time. And that's... Uh, that's so tragic, really. And watching his funeral, I, I, all I was thinking of, uh, uh, juxtaposed the the funeral of Elijah Cummings with the 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 white, the pasty white male idiots running into the skiff, storming the skiff, like a bunch of assholes, to protect the con the to protect. They're pasty white treasonous con man. And I thought, my God, uh, where is there any redeeming quality to the, the Republican Party? Are, uh, and Mark Meadows, he was one of the people who was, who was part of this uh, storming of the skiff. And uh, he was also at Elijah Cummings' funeral. Uh, who, he's the guy that cried. I'm so over crying white men. Oh, poor, poor babies. From, from Kavanaugh to Mark Meadows saying, oh, I'm not racist. You know I'm not racist. I have a, a person of color in my family. But he, there he is protecting the treasonous, racist ass of his standard bearer, who is a, who's a racist. He's not a racist, though, right? Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows not a racist. He's got black people in his family, but he he supports a racist with racist policies who who came down an elevator calling Mexicans rapists, and who's building a wall. He wants a wall with snakes and razor sharp spikes 
that hurt people. And he wants to shoot people in the legs to, to slow them down because, you know, people from coming from Mexico, they're, they're not human. It's like a horde of zombies or something. You just you shoot them in the leg to, sh to slow them down. And then if they get there, there's a moat with poisonous snakes and water and, and alligators and razor sharp uh, where they can never get over or under because it's just such a feat of engineering, the wall. But that's who Mark Meadows supports. I mean, good for Elijah Cummings. I guess he had to, he had to work with this person. He had to see this person every day. And, but d did it really rub off on Mark Meadows? He doesn't seem to learn anything from being in, in Elijah Cummings' presence. All that it seems to have happened is that Elijah Cummings gives Mark Meadows some, uh, another uh, human shield. He's, he becomes a human shield for Mark Meadows' bigotry. To allow Mark Meadows to continue being a racist Trumpanzee, frankly. So... Um, it doesn't seem to have rubbed off his uh, Elijah Cummings, the friendship. He's still storming the skiff with his pasty white asshole friends. I don't know. They, I don't know why they're storming the skiff. Because what are you going to do? You, they're, they, there's not, they cannot, they can't um, talk about that Trump is, isn't guilty. It's that the, the very rules that the Republicans set up. Now, we have, I'm sure you've heard, the, the rules that the Republicans are now complaining about are the ones that they dictated when they were in power. Signed off by, signed off um, by uh, what's his name? John Boner. So it's not like, you know, they, they're not aware. And half of the people who, who were part of the stunt, not, I'm not sure the exact number, it's not half, but um, a large bulk of the the white idiots who stormed the skiff are uh, on the committees that have access to the testimony that they were complaining were was being withheld from them. This is who these Republicans are. They want to confuse their the their the people they pretend to represent and make the and turn them against government, the government that the founders fought a revolution to entrust to us. So you know. Um, what is what is what do we get out of being um i don't know as far as uh, being civil this is one of the things that they were talking about in elijah cummings funeral oh he's he could get along he got along with everyone he could be civil to everyone that's i guess that's great being civil is often is awesome but what um did it really do anything for mark meadows now the other the 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 good thing in the, another good thing from the what I saw during the funeral was that the one of Elijah Cummings' pallbearers went down after he went down a, the row where all the VIPs were sitting, and he shook everyone's hand except for Mitch McConnell. So that's the that's the proper way to to treat a Trumpanzee. How, I, I mean, this is why I'm always saying that public shaming has a place. I'm just looking it up. Wait, Mitch McConnell. Yes, here it is. The guy, I'm just trying to find the guy's name. But, yeah, uh, because, honestly, how, how did anyone shake Mitch McConnell's hand? How did, did Barack Obama shake his hand? 
after he treated him with such disrespect for his entire presidency, where he blocked his constitutionally dictated role of of uh, proposing a Supreme Court nominee for, um, you know, for the for the for the court. Duh, what am I saying? You know what I'm saying. I'm just doing two things at once. But that in itself is a completely, it's disrespectful. It's not just just disrespectful. It is dangerous and it is an assault on democracy. So that's how you treat a Republican, a traitor, because that's who they are. Why should they get to be, be traitors, be fascists, walk around their daily lives being a bunch of racist enablers of a treasonous con man and then they get to uh, participate in polite society and, and get the respect that they haven't earned? They haven't earned an, a modicum of respect. They have no dignity. They, have, they hate this country. And it's about time we all said it. It's not about, it's not about being hyperbolic. It's about, or, or partisan. It's enough is enough. What do they bring to the table? What has Mitch McConnell done? And he just, as he, he knows he's full of shit. When they asked him if there was, if there were an opportunity to propose another Supreme Court justice in the, in the, in election year, would you, would you have a vote on it? And with a sly, sneaky little smile, he said, yes, I would, because He's full of shit. That's the Republican Party in a nutshell. Despite the fact that we had to hear the, his excuse that he didn't propose, he didn't bring Barack Obama's um, nominee up for a vote because it was an election year. That's just against uh, protocol. He's full of shit. They, Republicans hate democracy. They hate this country. And there you go. If they really love this country, they would abide by the by the rules, wouldn't they? They wouldn't manipulate their their idiot followers. They would actually represent the people that send them into government instead of twisting their minds. I, I want to play that. This is what's really embarrassing for I, I this guy. Uh, what's his name? Matt Getz. I hate him. <sighs> Because this is what I was thinking, too, when I watched Elijah Cummings' funeral. I was like, there is a decent human being who served his constituents, who had a heart. First, let me play what his wife said in the eulogy. What Congressman Chairman Cummings did was not easy. And it got infinitely more difficult in the last months of his life when he sustained personal attacks and attacks on his beloved city. Mm. And while he carried himself with great... Well, you remember Trump calling Baltimore rat-infested where no human would live? ...indignity in all public forums. It hurt him. Because one thing you do not know about Congressman Cummings, he was a man of soul and spirit. He felt very deeply. He was very empathetic. It was one of his greatest gifts. Mm. And it was one of the sources of his ability to be a public servant and a man of the people. And so with that, to have the week's activities 
basically be laid out in such a glorious way, to be a tribute to the great man that he was, to the great legacy that he left, to be the first African-American to ever congressman, to ever lie in state in the U.S. Capitol. Right. Well, what stuck with me was when she said he had, he was a man of great empathy. He felt deeply. And I could relate to that. And I believe that many Democrats can, that that's why Democrats get into public service for the, the, a bulk of Democrats. I'm not saying all of them. And maybe many of them get into public service and then they get corrupted by money and power. I'm sure that happens where they had the best of intentions going in. But I believe, for instance, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, they are trying to help other people. They're trying to make the world a better place, to leave it better than they found it. What are the Republicans doing? They're confusing their constituents. They're twisting their minds against the very government they pretend to love. Because what are you saying when you say you love America? What do you love about America? How can you love America and hate the very essence of America, which is the nation of immigrants, the Constitution, the laws? What is America to them? That's what confuses me about them. Because what are they saying what, when they're chanting USA, USA? What do they mean? What I believe they're saying, maybe they know it or not, is they are chanting for their white privilege. And I'm not just saying that I know that there are some African-Americans who are Republican, few and far between, frankly. It's like gay Republicans. Why? There's, there's deeper issues going on there that need to be explored by a psychiatrist. So, um, but I, I don't know what they're, because they're not chanting USA for, um, you know, with pride in the nation of immigrants. I mean, what are they chanting about? USA, USA. Are they chanting that we are the most culturally diverse nation on the planet? No. Are they chanting for our Purple Mountains majesty? No. They're ripping the mountains apart. Are they chanting for the uh, indigenous species here? No, because they want to they murder the indigenous species. They, they would like to, to go into caves where bears are hibernating and shoot them dead. So, I mean, I don't understand. What are they chanting for? I really think that they're chanting for a bygone day that never existed for the majority of, of Americans, but they're chanting for their white privilege. And, you know, they're pretty goddamn pathetic. Speaking of pathetic, Matt Getz, he has a real inflated view of, of himself. Single-handedly led a group to shut down this entire impeachment investigation right now. Now, what, what were you thinking, Matt? We were uh, like, you know, the 300 standing in the breach to try <laughs> to stop the radical left from storming, storming over our democracy. What? I, I talk about a delusional a sycophant. I, we are the 300 standing in the breach. Are you kidding me? These are people that never served democracy a day in their lives. They're standing in the breach, the 300. And you know, the thing that really gets on my nerves about this is that they don't know anything about the 300. They saw a movie. That's the only reason they know about it. They would never even reference it. They don't. They know nothing about Sparta, Greek history. They know much less democracy. That's for sure. 
They saw a movie, whereas, and they think themselves to be some kind of strong man or something. I mean, they're not, there's nothing uh, that's 300 about them. First of all, Sparta, if you're, you're so in love with Sparta, what about Sparta? Is it the compulsory homosexuality? Or is it the complete subservience to the state? I don't know. I mean, Matt Getz seems like he would probably not get out of, uh, as far as if he was born in Sparta, he'd be thrown off a cliff in the first couple of days for being inadequate. And I think we've made the point that President Trump deserves due process. Did the President did the pres Trump deserves due process. Like, he's not getting it. Due process to, to Trump means he gets to steal without having any repercussions. That's due process. To him, to have his due is to get away with the crimes that he continuously commits. He's been committing crimes his entire life. He is a crook, a con man. He's not a legitimate businessman. We know this. But, and that asshole Getz knows this. He knows that. But that's his leader. Because he's a very weak, pasty, white, power-loving, uh, sycophant of a con man. Of a treasonous one at that. He, he can hear what's going on behind those closed doors. He understands. He knows that Trump is, is, uh, needs to be impeached. He shouldn't be anywhere near the Oval Office. He knows that he's out of hand. They, un they get the unclassified briefings. So, you know, I mean, that we know just by seeing what we see uh, and reading his tweets. So Matt Getz knows, and that's how egregious he is. That's how much he hates this country and the people he pretends to represent, because he allows it to go on. And not only does he allow it, he enables it. He'll do, he would, he would uh, you know, do whatever Trump tells him to do. He is a, he, he's not brave in any sense of the word. If he was, he would be standing up for his country, not standing on the side of a Putin puppet con man who received fewer votes. He would, and if he was afraid of losing his seat... If that's the price to pay to save this country from, the, from a Putin puppet con man, well, oh well, Matt Getz, if you're such a Spartan standing in the breach, then that you should be willing to sacrifice your cushy, phony baloney job. How do you guys do this or do you do this on your own? No, I uh, haven't chatted with the president about it, though I suspect he may have a view he might want to share after today. Ha <laughs> ha, you hear? I suspect he may have a view he might want to share. <laughs> Look at his dumb face, his goofy-looking buck teeth. <laughs> yeah, Ma, I suspect he might have a view he's going to share <laughs> on his Twitter machine like a, like a big, giant 12-year-old kid in a 72-year-old rotund, gl gluttonous, moron's body. You think he's happy? You guys are, you guys are real cool friends. I you know you guys talk regularly. What do you think he's going to think about what happened? Ugh. I love the president so much, I may never love another president again. Oh, you're a scumbag, aren't you? You are so vile. I love the president so much, I may no not love another president again. You're not supposed to love your, your president like a, like, a, like a dog loves its master. You filthy, disgusting disgrace. The, what a disgrace to this country. I wonder what George Washington would say. What would Thomas Jefferson say about Matt Getz if we could take them into the future? 
we had a time machine and said, hey, you know what? You nice country you're putting together here, but let's let's take a trip in my time machine to 2019. Look at the president. Look at the representatives. Look at the Republican Party. What are we going to do to ensure that this never comes to pass? Oh my god. And what we do is we <laughs> we don't allow the conservatives to continuously drill holes in the checks and balances and the protections of 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 democracy and that includes getting money out of politics. Getting money out of politics will will clear out all of these con men lickety split. That would be that. They they would it would be they would rush for the exits like ro- roaches when you turn on a goddamn light. Oh, here he comes again, Tara Jr. Jr. <laughs> Sit down, goddammit. it. I know. I know. Sit. I need my hands. I'm sorry, guys. He keeps pushing my hands. Because he wants me to pet him. You know how it is. If you have animals. They like being pet. They're very good. You're good. Okay. Unlike Matt Getz. This cat it would be a better representative. That's for sure. He would never sell out his constituents. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be such a lick ass. Even though he's literally licks his ass. I mean, what the hell? Matt Getz. Doesn't this person have any pride? I mean, I often wonder if they if they really believe what they're saying, or are they this far gone? And that's when I'm like, I got to get out of this country, because if I share the same air as people like Matt Getz, then what hope is this? What hope do we have? And and Matt Getz, it's not that a Matt Getz can't exist. Of course, they exist. But you don't give it power. You don't make it your representative of all of the people in Matt Getz's, um, what do you call it, community. That he's the one of all of the people that that they could choose from. The all hey, we want somebody to go to Washington and represent this community. It's oh Matt, you're the best. You are the one for us. This idiot. To go there, what? There's other things to be done. How many people don't have health care in Matt Getz's community? I mean, I guess maybe he lives in Florida. Maybe they're all retired and they're on socialist security and socialist Medicare. You know, while they're fighting for socialism, fighting against socialism, of course. Or I mean, look at his cheesy ass grin. For Christ's sakes, it's this. I mean, it makes me. Uh, really kind of hate being white, frankly. It's an embarrassment, honestly. Uh, so I'm Irish, of course, Tara Devlin, with a name like that. And I see, like, Mick Mulvaney and, and Paul Ryan, all these Irish monsters running around government. I don't know what Matt Getz is, but... And I, I feel personally responsible. I'm like, why do you have to be Irish? I don't know if Matt, what Matt Getz is. What kind of a... It doesn't matter. Now I sound like Kellyanne Conway. What's your what do you what's your ethnicity? I'm not asking about that. I'm just saying that Matt Getz is an embarrassment. He's he's we sh- he's a sh- we should be ashamed as Americans. Period. 
He should be. And so here's another thing. Oh, actually, let me play this because I caught, I captured this. He was very offended that the he was called a white man, and he, you know, because this is what we were talking about during the weekday show. How Republicans they adopt the mantle of the oppressed to advance the interests of the oppressor. So he now it's. The, these these pasty white men are they're taking umbrage with the fact that everybody's pointing out that all these privileged white idiots stormed a secure uh, classified briefing uh, like a bunch of douchebags and you know it it looks stupid because you're not oppressed you're not this isn't occupy wall street you're this is you the the oppressor uh, under uh you know uh, assaulting the, the assaulting a uh, an attempt to restore balance in the universe and they don't like that they need their power and privilege and it's the, what really what trump is really upset about and what these white assholes are upset about is that they're being challenged at all they the rules don't apply to them you see that's why the it's illegitimate no matter what, as legitimate as it is, they are the the Congress f- is following the rules laid out by re- a Republican Congress when the Republicans were in the majority. But it doesn't matter; the rules don't apply to them. The rules are for Democrats; they're not for straight-acting white men in, in power. So, no matter what the problem is, it the the real problem is. Attempting to uh, you know, to have a rich, white, powerful con man uh, face face the music for his crimes. That's not that doesn't happen. That's that's this is America. So where the heck is it? Hold on. Oh wait, this is Matt Getz. Hold on, here he goes. Jackie Spear. What happened yesterday was a high school prank by a bunch of 50-year-old white men. The Republicans are whining because the president is whining. And um, frankly, I think they did what they did yesterday because the president was whining that they weren't fighting for him hard enough. The Republican who led that charge is joining me now, Florida Congressman Matt Gates. He sits on the Judiciary and Armed Services Committees and is joining us now from Florida. Congressman, it's great to have you back on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Holly. My IFB wasn't really clear. Did Jackie Spear identify my race and my gender in, con- in the context of my activities as a member of Congress yesterday? I, I think you heard her soundbite. I want to give you the chance to respond. Go ahead. Well, no. Did she say it was that we were a bunch of white men? What does the fact that we are white men have to do with our desire to represent the millions of constituents that we serve? I mean, I was. It has everything to do with it. You privileged prince. It means that you're out of touch. I know that they think this is the problem. That's what's going on right now. This is the the privileged white, pasty white frat boys fight back. That's Kavanaugh. That's Trump putting all uh, putting all these white frat boys on the on the judicial benches all over the country, screwing us for generations to come. That's the, that's what they're afraid of. What does your gender and your ethnicity have to do with it? It's because white men, pasty white assholes like you, Matt Getz, or whatever the hell your name is, 
have shaped the country for, since its founding. And there is a reckoning happening in the world. You don't like it. So it does matter that uh, you've, been, you've been using your, your, your position of, of authority to oppress others for many, many years. So as long as I've been alive, now things are, you know, when, when somebody fights back, now you don't like it. So, I mean, it does, have a little taste of what you've been dishing out, Matt gets. I mean, maybe not him. I don't know personally. I know he's an asshole. I know he was, uh, he was arrested for drunk driving. You know, because the rules don't apply to him there either. Most people, when you're arrested for drunk driving, I don't know what the situation is, but, you know, he got into a car and he, you know, he could have killed somebody. So, but whatever. Let me just. Completely offended by that. Like, I, when, when he's Jackie offended. Spear walks Bullshit, in a room, or white men have. Bullshit, he's offended. Bullshit. That's what, it's, this is what's so annoying that they, they, they kind of twist it around. So it's like what they call reverse racism. There is no such thing as reverse racism. It is, but it is, it is proper and it is correct to point out that these powerful, rich, white men who are representing the country are adopting the mantle of the oppressed. And, uh, you know, saying that you're a white man, a 50-year-old white male frat boy, acting like a douchebag, acting like a child who thinks the rules don't apply to him, that it's relevant to the situation because it's saying exactly what you are. You're, there, there, there's no, there was no reason to pull this stunt. That you have people on in that whole mass of white idiots that were that had access that were allowed to be in the room. So the the stunt it's just another waste of America's time. So and it's so offensive for him to turn around and say he's offended by being called a white man. But it's completely relative. And I mean uh, relevant. It's relevant to point it out. It's just saying that your his position of power is, uh, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't warrant um, us to give him some kind of, uh, you know, pass that he's not, uh, you know, he's not Occupy Wall Street. He's not Rosa Parks. He's not standing up for anything but the, th the thing that already has power, that is already entrenched. Like a goddamn cavity in our heads. Do with our desire to represent the millions of constituents that we serve. I mean, how are you representing them? By pretend, by thinking you're Leonidas, by pretending you saw a movie, Three Hundred. I, I mean, I wonder if all of them are are uh, gay or something. Not that I, I mean, you know what I'm saying. In Sparta, I, mean, I am gay, but I'm saying that the the army of the Spartans were lovers. They were all. They were, you know, encouraged to be uh, sexually active with each other to encourage to build bonding. So, you know, I wonder if that's how the Republicans do. I, I know that they ordered pizza. Maybe uh, did they have I don't know how far did it go? offended by that. Like I when when Jackie Spear walks in a room, I don't sit there and say, you know, a white woman came in or when someone of a different race or ethnicity comes in. This is the bullshit bullshit, bitch. I'm sure he does. 
some black lady said something to me, some white lady, you know, I'm sure he doesn't say white, but I'm saying, I'm sure he makes a mental note of people's ethnicity and it matters to him because he's standing up for the already, the, uh, the powerful, entrenching the already elite into uh, the halls of power giving more to the to the wealthy and less to the oppressed what whatever freaking republican ever done for this country of identity politics from the left that seems to permeate any substantive or procedural argument that they identity politics when we look at a Repo a picture of the republican representatives you, it, when any time we see the the chambers the house and the and the senate the it looks like um, you have to wear sunglasses looking on the on the Republican side of the aisle because there's a bunch of white men. And there's a few white women thrown in there. But that's not an accident because they are representing the privileged princes of this country. And they don't like the fact that they that there's a challenge to their power. So what do you do in that sense? You adopt the mantle of the oppressed. Oh, wah, wah. It's so unfair. I'm, uh, she called me a white man. It's only to point out what a douchebag you are. You already have your power. You already have access to the room. There's no, nothing is being hidden from you. You know that your con man that, you, that you're protecting is a treasonous, traitorous con man. Oh, God. What are we going to do, people? What are we going to do? This is what I'm thinking. I'm like, how is this happening in 2019? Is, I want them to secede. Frankly, let's get, how do we start planning this? You know, it's like when you're in a relationship and it's, it's just not working. You finally, I, I have gotten to that point. I'm past it. I'm well past it. It's like, it's over. We tried. The country, they always say, oh, it's too big. The country's too big. It's too big to have universal health care. We can't have universal higher education. It's just too big. It's too big to have all these policies. That's what they say. Whenever we say, well, how come, you know, every other country on earth can have universal health care except us? Oh, the United States is unique because we're so big. It's just so big and diverse. So, okay, then let's finally break it up then. If that's the problem, split it up. You can, Matt Getz, you can, you can be as big and, and pasty and white and powerful and, and, and oppressed as you, and faux oppressed as you want to be. And you can have no health care. You can have your con man. You can have all your constituents who have no education or retirement. Fine. Well, I mean, I'm sure he's, he represents retired people. But the, the people he represents who are retired, I, I'm not sure about his, um, you know, his, his actual community that he represents. But I know he represents a community in Florida. But those, the thing that really pisses me off about these, those retirees who vote trump Z are... What pisses me off is that they all benefited from the New Deal. They are, they had a pension. They had unions. They lived in a, they, they came of age in a world where 35% of the American workforce was unionized thanks to the progressive policies that we all fought for. They have Social Security thanks to progressives fighting for it. 
So they they live in the in the you know uh, the what do you they live in the policies that progressives made possible. They it's not because they um, you know it was their birthright or something. It was because people fought and people died for them to have a retirement. So, God damn it. Anyway. Right, Junior? Why are we looking at Matt Getz's face? Wait a minute. Here's Where's that other one? Here's him. Hold on, guys. Yes. I didn't finish what he was saying about the 300. Single-handedly led a group. The, the uh, Brooks Brother riots back in the day. Wait, wait, let me just rewind it a little bit. Share after the day. You think he's happy? You guys are, you guys are real cool friends. I know you guys talk regularly. What do you think he's going to think about what happened? Today? I love the president so much, I may never love another president again. Ugh, you uh, sickening, so, sickle so fan. A lot of people are comparing this to your, your old state, Florida in 2000. They're calling the, the, the uh, Brooks Brother riots back in the day. Oh, that's totally unfair. This is Tommy Hilfiger. Not the <laughs> let me see. I see the. Ha ha ha. What do you, you guys see? have planned? Is this going to continue to go on? He you doesn't guys care. This? He's, he's just a powerful little sycophant of a con man who has everything handed to him. I mean, he's, and, you know, he's just trying the tactics of uh, anything to protect his, his position. Daily basis. So we've sent some requests to the House Democrats with hopes that they will uh, change the way that they've run this process in secret. And if they don't, who knows? They will change the way that they've run this process in secret. That the conservatives put in place. These, I hate Republicans. My God, I cannot, it's, could you imagine what we could be doing if we didn't have to continuously fight with these freaks, with these throwbacks to times that we should have left in the dung heap of history that we thought we left? Could you imagine what we could do if we didn't have to endure these sycophants protecting a con man? This is who they inflicted on us. They, they elevated a con man, a treasonous con man, to the highest executive office in the land, and they will do anything in their power to protect him. That's how much, um, that's how much they hate this country. And I, when I was watching Elijah Cummings' funeral, I was thinking, uh, who on the, on the Republican side does, can, they ha- can they honor in any way? I mean, okay, they had John McCain. He died. But, okay, I guess he, was, he came as close as you can come as, for a Republican to show some honor. I don't know. I mean, I, I have a big problem with McCain, too. McCain was just another, so yeah, another uh, cynical political operative who propelled Sarah Palin to the highest executive office in the land. If he really loved this country, he would have said, "Sorry, uh, she's unqualified. She's unfit." But even after he knew that she was unfit, he continued with the charade, knowing that she would possibly be the president someday. If, if, if he continued with, him, with her as his running mate. So, you, you know, all right, wonderful. Do you think what, that's what would happen the, with Democrats? I, would Democrats ever put Twitler 
as their standard bearer. It would never happen. He would never get through the gate. This is why every, you know, I talk about Morning Joe because it pisses me off. But every, not every day, but every, there isn't a week that goes by that Joe Scarborough doesn't say that Trump was a lifelong Democrat because they want to, they, they don't want to take responsibility. That's what it is. Republicans do not take responsibility for the failures that they create, which are plentiful. So they, he has to, he's trying to inflict Trump on the Democratic side. Oh, Trump was a lifelong Democrat. Meanwhile, here in reality, Trump is not a lifelong Democrat. He, if you go by his political contributions, he's given more money over the years, and especially in the last 20 years, to Republicans. So that doesn't make you a lifelong Democrat. In fact, he was a registered Republican. Early on, he was a registered Democrat. Many, many, over 30 years ago, he changed to a registered Republican for the last 30 years. So it's, it's, he's not a lifelong Democrat. That doesn't make you a lifelong Democrat. The fact is he lived in New York. So he was giving money to the politicians of New York. That doesn't make you a lifelong Democrat. He never supported Democratic policies. That's for sure. So I'm so tired. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's the Republicans, though. In a nutshell, I am tired of them inflicting them their mistakes on the normal people of society. Take responsibility, if only they took responsibility for, their, for the disasters they create. But you see what I'm saying? It's just another example. From the, from the smallest to the highest, they never take responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. You know, here on the Democratic side, on the normal side, we're, we take too much responsibility all the time. We're always like apologizing for something. Apologize for this. I apologize. I said that wrong. I apologize for that. I did that. I apologize. I've evolved. We constantly hear that. Oh, I apologize. Well, fine. You apologize, but you never hear a Republican apologize for a goddamn thing. They don't apologize. They, but they are the problem. And it's enough time to time to say it. I really wish it's like a kid, you know, a kid who's finally like, you know, I don't need anyone. I don't need you. I want you to leave me alone. Well, finally, leave the goddamn kid alone. Then goodbye. Go out into the world. Right. I mean, it's uh, I, I don't need anybody. OK, fine. Get lost then. You don't need government. You don't need uh, your socialist security. You don't need your socialist Medicare. You have your church. Good. Pray. Maybe beg a billionaire to trickle on you. Who knows? Maybe it'll work one day. It never worked in the human history, but, you know, if you ask nicely enough and you uh, yeah, you just cheer when they tell you that, you know, you just stand there like a, like, just be the narcissistic supply for a con man. That's what I can't stand about Republicans, too. They, not, they have no dignity. Don't you have any self-respect to stand in an arena with a, with a con man, a serial bankrupt con man, Putin puppet, a traitor, a tax-dodging, tax-cheating, draft-dodging traitor, and you, you just let the con man absorb your life force like... A, like the goddamn blob. 
That's what he's... He is like the blob, frankly. Isn't that what the blob did? It went around and, like, sucking up everybody into its blob? <sighs> Here's a an article that came from... I mean, I'm looking at the time. I'm thinking, should I take a break? Nah, not right now. I mean, I need some more of this. Besides... I need some coffee. I don't know. Maybe I'll just go right through. I, I'm losing my voice. We'll see what happens. I might take a late break. But as we're talking, we're I'm on a roll here. I didn't want to stop the flow. So, okay. Uh, as I was saying, there's here's an article from the New York Times. Our republic is under attack from the president. This is William McRaven. If President Trump doesn't demonstrate the leadership that America needs, then it's time for a new person in the Oval Office. This is Admiral McRaven. So, last week I attended two memorial, uh, sorry, two memorable events that reminded me why we care so very much about this nation and why our future may be in peril. The first was a change of command ceremony for a storied army unit in which one general officer passed authority to another. The second event was an annual gala for the Office of Strategic Services that recognizes past and present members of the intelligence and special operations community for their heroism and sacrifices to our nation. What struck me was the stark contrast between the worlds and deeds heralded at those events and the words and deeds emanating from the White House. On the parade field at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, where tens of thousands of soldiers have marched, either prepping to go to war or returning from it, the two generals, highly decorated, impeccably dressed, clear-eyed and strong of character, were humbled by the moment. They understood the awesome responsibility that the nation had placed on their shoulders. They understood that they had an obligation to serve their soldiers and their soldiers' families. They believed in American values, for which they had been fighting for the past three decades. They had faith in these values that were, that they had faith these values were worth sacrificing everything for, including, if necessary, their lives. Having served with both officers for the past 20 years, I know that they personified all that is good and decent and honorable about the American military with genuineness, genuineness and of humility and uncompromising integrity, their willingness to sacrifice all for a worthy cause and the pride that they had in their soldiers. Later that week, at the OSS Society Dinner, there were films and testimonials to the valor of the men and women who had fought in Europe and the Pacific during World War II. We also celebrated the 75th anniversary of D-Day, recognizing the brave Americans and allies who sacrificed so much to fight Nazism and fascism. We were reminded that the greatest generation went to war because it believed that we were the good guys, that wherever there was oppression, tyranny, or despotism, America would be there. We would be there because freedom mattered. We would be there because the world needed us. And if not us, then who? This is really powerful. Also that evening, we recognized the incredible sacrifice of a new generation of Americans. An Army Special Forces warrant officer who had been wounded three times, the most recent injury costing him his left leg above the knee. 
the most um yes he was still in uniform and still serving there was an intelligence officer who embodied the remarkable traits of those men and women who'd served in the oss and a retired marine general whose 40 years of service demonstrated that all that was honorable about the corps and public service right not like the Re republicans and trump you know in you're in service in public service you're you're supposed to be uh, less than you know you got to be a businessman in their eyes you got to come up with some scam a vitamin scam or a, or a university scam some some way to grift to suck money out of the out of the 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 stretched wallets of your fellow americans you know make some promises to them promise them the moon but you can't deliver a pizza it doesn't matter as long as you get that dollar right but the most poignant recognition that evening was for a young female sailor who had been killed in Syria, serving alongside our allies in the fight against ISIS. Her husband, a former Army Green Beret, accepted the award on her behalf. Like so many that came before her, she had answered the nation's call and willingly put her life in harm's way. For everyone who served in uniform or the intelligence community, for those diplomats whose voice the, nature, the nation's principles, for the first responders, for the tellers of truth, and the millions of American citizens who were raised believing in American values, we, we would have seen your reflection in those faces of those, uh, of those we honored last week. But beneath the outward sense of hope and duty that I witnessed at those two events, there was an underlying current of frustration, humiliation, anger, and fear that echoed echoed across the sidelines the america that we believed in was under attack not from without but from within these men and women of all political persuasions have seen the assaults on our institutions on the intelligence and law enforcement community the state department and the press they have seen our leaders stand behind despots and strongmen preferring their government narrative to our own i mean what he's saying we they have seen our leaders no not leaders honey leader and trump isn't a leader they've seen trump stand behind despots and strong men they've seen trump and they've saw the republican effing party of sycophants and traitors fall in line behind him and maybe they've always been traitors, like I've said. Republicans have never liked democracy. It's always, they've always tried to limit the, uh, the grand experiment. They hate this country. So ultimately, they hate it. They want power. They want to concentrate power in the arms of, in the hands, not the arms. Every, they want to, in the grasp of a few. Okay, continuing the article. They have seen us abandon our allies and have heard the shouts of betrayal from the battlefield as i stood on the parade field at fort bragg one retired four-star general grabbed my arm shook me and shouted i don't like the democrats but trump is destroying the republic i don't like the democrats f you buddy honestly yeah you don't like the democrats because what's to, what what not what what's to like you know universal health care higher education you know we're in this together leave no one behind oh yeah i hate that hate that shit. I don't like the Democrats. You know, and no endless wars. You know, uh, what the hell? I don't like it. Well, I mean, I understand Democrats have confused a lot of people lately. Not really being the party of the people. Being the party of 
They still want, you know, like the, ever since Clinton, it really, honestly, they, the, the DLC Democrats have effed us because we expected it from the Republicans, of course, but we didn't need two corporate parties of the elite. But it was really cynical for the DLCers to, to get in bed with Wall Street and leave the working class, you know, and uh, uh, the unions and laborers behind. But whatever. You know what I'm saying. Okay, here we go. Those words echoed with me throughout the week. It is easy to destroy an organization if you have no appreciation for what makes that organization great. We are not the most powerful nation in the world because of our aircraft carriers, our economy, or our seat at the United Nations Security Council. We are the most powerful nation in the world because we try to be the good guys. We are the most powerful nation in the world because our ideals of universal freedom and equality have been backed up by our belief that we were champions of justice, the protectors of the less fortunate. But we don't but if we don't care about our values, if we don't care about duty and honor, if we don't help the weak and stand up against oppression and injustice, what will happen to the Kurds, the Iraqis, the Afghans, the Syrians, the Rouhanis, the Southern S- Sudanese, and the millions of people under the boot of tyranny or left abandoned by their failing states. If our promises are meaningless, how will our allies ever trust us? If we can't have faith in our nation's principles, why would the men and women of this nation join the military? And if they don't join, who will protect us? That's another story. If we are not the champions of the good and the right, then who will follow us? And if no one follow us, if no one follows us, where will we end up? President Trump seems to believe that these qualities are unimportant or show weakness. He is wrong. These are the virtues that have sustained this nation for the past 243 years. If we hope to continue to lead the world and inspire a new generation of young men and women to our cause, then we must embrace these values now more than ever. And if the president doesn't understand the importance, the, their importance, if this president doesn't demonstrate the leadership that America needs, both, domest- both domestically and abroad, then it is time for a new person in the Oval Office. Republican, Democrat, or Independent, the sooner the better. The fate of the Republic depends upon it. But, you know, okay, that's the whole, that's his whole story. I believe that there's other uh, there's other forms of valor. You don't always have to put on a uniform. Uh, there's public service in itself is an honorable thing. But the Republicans have so denigrated it and turned it into another scam, another grift. But that's all they can do. That's the thing with Republicans. When you look at the look at Elijah Cummings' life. It's it's only when someone passes that do we really appreciate them, right? That's the tragedy of being a human being. Uh, but to see Elijah Cummings' life, to see all of his community and the uh, the uh, powerful, from the powerful to the powerless, em- embrace his life and honor that the honor the time that he shared this planet with us. What can you say about Republicans in their, you know, to juxtapose Republicans with a life like the, the life of Elijah Cummings, who really was in it 
to help the people he represented. He lived in his community. He had a he he wanted to mentor youth coming up. He wanted to make the world a better place. He believed in what his wife was saying. He had empathy for. He felt very deeply about the the, the about people. I I mean I can understand, and it's it was completely powerful. But now. When, what about the Republicans? When you look at the Republicans, what do they have? They have nothing to compare to that. They are the, the worst human beings on the planet, bringing nothing but divisiveness and selfishness, elevating these horrible traits to, uh, to the highest, uh, from, uh, you know, to the halls of power, as if... That's who we are. We're stronger when we're cutting each other down. What Republican... Now, all right, here. I want to, you know, I mean, there's a couple of thoughts going on in my head. One of the things is that you think about, okay, Elijah Cummings now. Of course, and then I think about the Republicans. Let me just think about how am I going to phrase this before I, it comes out all jumbled. But, okay, now... Republicans, they look at who, it's not that they elevated a businessman to be their standard bearer. That's not surprising because the way that they purport constantly that we're, that business people, you know, they're supposed to be like the, the, the saints that walk among us. They're, they're the American dream in the Republican eye, billionaires, they, they love the, the rich and powerful. We understand that. But what the hell has Twitler and his entire Trump crime family ever done for this country Not, or the world? They, Twitler was handed a fortune as a child. He took that fortune. Not only did he bankrupt it, but what has he, he done for the world? What have they brought to this planet? Their children, the, the Twitler, the family, the, the, the entire Twitler crime family. What have they done? They, they created nothing but crap and shitty, tacky hotels. They're not innovating anything. They're not bringing anything. They're not elevating humanity or society. They're, they're not making the world a better place. They're making everything worse. Everything that they touch is not uh, they is all boiled down to be nothing but a commodity. If it is in the way of Twitler getting another buck in his rapaciously greed-centered pockets, then it's it has no value to him. Uh, he'll smash it like a bug. It does not matter. Like we were talking about here in New York, there was a there was a a facade, let me just look this up, on uh, a building that Trump was supposed to, they, he was supposed to salvage as they were doing renovations on the building. Let me see. Uh, and instead, because it was just too much, it was too much of a pain in the ass for him to, or it probably was, it probably took money out of his pocket to, it was this precious art. Okay, here we go. Uh, president describes the removal of a, okay, yes, here it is. This is an article from Fast Company on by Diana Buds. 
hey, remember when Trump destroyed precious art history? The president describes the removal of Confederate monuments as a loss of beauty and history, but it's worth remembering his own run-in with historic preservation. This week, well, of course, this was in 2017, this article, but this happened years ago. The pres uh, President Trump curried favor with his base by claiming that the destruction of Confederate tributes, or what he calls beautiful statues and monuments, makes him sad. Don't let these statements fool you. This is the same person who, in 1980, destroyed priceless art. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Priceless Art Deco freezes to shave two weeks of construction time off Trump Tower. That's what it was. So it, it cut into his bottom line. He had to hire special construction workers to save this facade. So, and he couldn't do it. He just destroyed it. And they, that's what they do. This is what Trump does in life. He commits the crime, and it's like, catch me if you can. And what do you do? When, especially now, when he's committing cr a crime a second. So uh, it says, on Thursday morning, Trump expressed, expressed disappointment with the removal of Confederate statues from public spaces in three Twitter posts, bemoaning what he described as a loss of history, culture, and beauty. And this is Trump's tweet. Sad to see the history and culture of our great country being ripped apart with the removal of our beautiful statues and monuments. You can't change history, but you can learn from it. Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson. Who's next? Washington? Jefferson? Foolish. Also, the beauty that is being taken out of our cities, towns, and parks will be greatly missed and never able to be completely replaced. I mean, F you, you filthy disgusting worm of a human being you disgusting blob that's what i'm going to call him from now on the blob he's the blob right because the blob is a monster you don't know where the hell it came from and all it does is is glom up everything it touches destroying everything in its wake that is the blob it's rapacious it never stops it's greedy and it's people are revulsed by it and it will, it will just roll over you. So it's worth rewinding a few decades to understand the hypocrisy of this response to the removal of these symbols of white supremacy. In order to construct his namesake tower in 1980, Trump raised the Bonwit Teller building at 1928, oh wait, a 1929 Art Deco structure by Warren and Wetmore, the same architects who designed Grand Central Station. The original building had been adorned with ornate metalwork and sculptural reliefs, as a 19, I mean, I'm sorry, as a 2014 New York Times story described. Plain as the building might be, the entrance was like a spilled casket of gems, platinum, bronze, hammered aluminum, orange and yellow, and tinted glass, backlit at night. In 1929, in an American architect magazine called it a sparkling jewel in, keep, in keeping with the character of the store. Upon learning about the historic building's eminent de demolition and recognizing the cultural value of its ornamentation, the Metropolitan Museum of Art convinced Trump to remove portions of this historic, of this historic facade and donate them to the institution. Trump agreed on the condition that the cost wouldn't be too high. Because he's a fucking con man who's not rich. He's a greedy, penny-pinching little grifter who gives a shit about 
beauty because he nothing but he creates nothing but ugliness on the planet. He's ugly on the inside, the outside, his spawn are ugly. Everything he he does is an homage to ugliness. The ugliness of the human spirit. Instead of cultivating the good, the the decent aspects of the human condition, he considers that weak, you see. It's weak to be compassionate, to be to be caring, not to be a greedy little grifter, to be someone who knows what they're doing. That's also weak to him, right? You just got to have a gut. But this is what Republicans have done. So don't let's not forget it. That's who they put in front in in charge of this country. They know he's unfit. That's how much they hate this country. We can never let them live it down. They, 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 they show us how much they hate this country by continuing to go along with the, with the con. As he destroys this country, they should have been like, enough. Okay, I can't go, go with this anymore. When he, not just coming down the, ele- the elevator, I mean the escalator with his racist rants, but... When, when he's kissing Putin's ass on the national stage. But the fact is, we know, enough, you know for a fact, the fact is we know for a fact, that Twitler and the Republican Party, they're all a bunch of traitors. They're all getting money funneled from, uh, through the NRA from Russian oligarchs. This, is, uh, this was in a Senate report. They understand that. So they're all, they're, they're all traitors to this country. Okay, <clears throat> where is it? Uh, okay, soon he was backpedaling after realizing that it would take more than two weeks and $32,000, chump change, considering that the tower cost $100 million to construct to property to take the reliefs off the building. So it was $32,000. Hey, you know, hey, that's a couple of nights with a hookah in Vegas. For his whole family, him and his uh, bonding experience with with Don Jr. And then they can go kill some beautiful animals for a nightcap. Using his fake alter ego, a Trump spokesperson named John Barron, he told the New York Times in 1980, of course this is Trump, for those who don't know, uh, he used to call up the press as John Barron, a spokesperson. If someone is a real rich person, they don't have to be their own spokesperson. They don't have to make up a persona. They hire a friggin' PR agency. But he has no money, you see. That's why part of the reason he doesn't want us to see his tax returns, which we will see eventually, is that he is not rich, as he says. And he's also up to his ass. Well, he's up to his frickin' eyebrows and Russian oligarch money. He's a Putin puppet. As Nancy Pelosi said, all roads lead to Putin. And there's not, there's not a coincidence. Okay. Uh, Trump spokesperson John Barron told the New York Times in 1980 the merit of those stones was not great enough to justify the efforts to save them. The construction workers chopped up the metalwork with torches and let the sculptures fall to the ground. Isn't that gross? A beautiful piece of art. But Trump said it wasn't worth it. It's not worth it. Hey, they're just rocks and stones, you know. Not like that statue of Robert E. Lee. Not only is that rocks and stones, that's a, that's a, you got a hell of a lot of return on, on investment in intimidating all those, uh, you know, others. 
from other places and making all those white Trumpanzees feel safe. Trump may not care about beautiful art or monuments, but he's right when he says you can't change history, but you can learn from it. Trump is notorious for flip-flopping on his political positions, but we can learn from his track record. When the Bon Teller building was destroyed, Trump put profit and convenience over a greater cultural good. This week, he used controversial sculptures to validate supremacist beliefs. What do they have in common? Both advance his own interests. Yes. That's all it, that's all it is. It's, um, and that's the Republican way. Every man, you know, man, and it is a man, for himself. And women, if you want to be a, a female Republican, you got to be a bigger misogynist than the average Republican man. You just got to get in line. You got to know your place, woman, if you're a woman. And you, if you want to be a leader of these very strong, quote unquote, and by strong, I mean weak men as a Republican woman, you got to be a big you, you just have to, you have to be a, you gotta, you gotta hate femininity, femininity, whatever is the traditionally feminine trait, like compassion, caring, giving a shit about everybody or whatever. And not that men don't do that. That's what's so fucked up about Republicans. It's like, we all have these traits in us, but you know, as a Republican woman, you gotta, you gotta want to kill. You gotta kill from a helicopter. You gotta want to shoot shit. You want to step on shit. You know, but you want to care for, you know, it's all about you, you yourself, you yourself and you. The three most important people on earth for Republicans. And so what I was thinking when I was watching Elijah Cummings' funeral was that think about the Republican Party. What do they bring to the world? What have they ever done? All the uh, Ivanka, what has she done? What about Don Jr.? None of them. They have ha handed everything. But the best they can do is a sweatshop in China. That's it. They're not bringing anything to the table. They're not in, in advancing human, the, the human race in any way. They're not uh, funding science or trying to make the world a better place. Anything. Using their money. First of all, they don't have a lot of it. That's the thing. They may have more now. Because they've used the, the government as the, our treasury as their personal piggy bank, of course. So they're able to do more grifting and stealing so, and, and on, on our dime. But the, the Trumpanzees, they're fine with that. Because they're white, you see. And that's really what it comes down to. It's all about the white victimization and racism, and it, it, you scratch the surface of any trump and any Republican who, oh, I vote Republican fiscally. I'm a fiscal conservative. I don't like all the, fi I'm fiscal. Whatever, a fiscal up your ass, honey, because I'll give me 10 minutes with a fiscal friggin' so-called Republican conservative, whatever they are. They're not conserving anything, and I will get to the bottom of it, if they, if they answer me honestly, which is very difficult for a, a Republican because they, they can't be honest. They're not honest with themselves. They will say they're not racist, but they are racist. That's what it's about. And in fact, this week, let me, I'm looking at the time. I can't believe how fast these shows go. And before I go into it, I want to thank, I got a very nice letter from Len. 
I want to thank you and an extremely generous donation. So thank you, Len R. I want to recognize you for, for that and your, uh, you made my day. And I also want to thank the patrons and everyone who supports the show. Uh, all, the, all of you on the, on the chat, you, you make my evening and my life, frankly, because I couldn't, I couldn't bear to be on this planet sharing the same air with these Trump banzees if it weren't for people like you, knowing that we are in this together, looking forward to seeing you. Even though we're not really seeing you, you're seeing me, but I do see you. I see, I see your names. I know you a little bit. And I want to uh, also thank you for the super chat I'm looking right now on the, on the, on the feed. Jim and George. That, it means the world. But that we have, thank you, Tara Jr. Jr. We also have a Patreon page, and I wanted to just give a shout out to the patrons for your ongoing support that keeps the show going. And hopefully we'll one day, like I say, we'll have a daily show. That's the goal. One, one step at a time. We never give up. So I want to say thank you to Andrea and Anthony, Cynthia, Damask Cats, Daniel, Deborah, Dwayne, Gail, George, Hi-Fi Guy, Haiku, James S., Jane C., Jim, Joan, Joey B., John, Kathleen, Katie, Kay, Lord Wafflecat, Mark, Martin, Mary, Michael D., Michael B., Michael L. D., and Paradu, Peter, Randall, Stephen, Susan, Teresa, and Tony. Okay? Thank you. Um, and one day, like I say, those it'll be too many people to read off and at once so we'll we'll come up with more stuff as we grow and get and the show gets bigger and the site gets bigger so all right thank you guys i don't know what else to say i really i wouldn't we wouldn't be doing this without you so it it matters and i recognize that it's uh it's not easy so and there are other ways to support the show if you can't support financially and I know that others, that uh, people do support the show. They tweet about the show. They share it, like the show, with, and share the YouTube channel, and subscribe, of course, another way, and give the show a good review on iTunes, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. And, I mean, what else? If you call into another liberal talk show, this is my other thing. Mention Tara Buster. Hey, have you heard Tara Buster? Do you know Tara Devlin? Do you know... So get the name out there in the minds of the other progressives listening to, like, Tom Hartman or whatever show. I mean, obviously those, uh, the Bob Kincaid's listeners and Mike Malloy's listeners, we're probably are already listening, but <clears throat> let's expand and grow. All right. One of the things I wanted to play was talking about what we're talking about the white the the poor poor white victimized white working well what are they working class the the uh the conservative man babies that's what i was saying when i thinking about what to call this show have we had enough of the conservative man babies 
Well, I call them man children. That's what they are. They're, they're overgrown babies who don't like their power and privilege being taken away. And they'll say, I don't have power and privilege, but just the fact that somebody like Matt Getz, who can drive drunk, doesn't gets pulled over by a cop and doesn't have to worry about getting blown away by that cop, you know, like being shot, that, um, you know, he, that's, that's white privilege right there. That they, when I get pulled over by a cop, when I see those lights go off in my rearview mirror, I'm not thinking, oh, shit, I'm going to get murdered now. I, but I'm sure and I know that my friends who are, who have that experience, who are African-American, that their heart beats a little faster. They have to be on their best behavior. Any short move might end in, the, in their, their demise. But there you go. The right-wingers, they understand that, and this is what the Republicans are, they've been, they tickle the racist funny bones and they tickle their fear centers, the, the very large amygdalas of the right-wing conservative base, by telling them they understand that this will soon be a majority-minority nation, that they're losing their white privilege. Because without their white privilege, who will they be? We will all figure out how inadequate they are. That's what they are afraid of, ultimately. But I always say the fact is, honey, we already know how inadequate you are. It's the secret's out. Look at your representatives. You have to be inadequate if you're voting for a Matt Getz or you're voting for a Jim Jordan. Who sends Jim Jordan as their representative? I mean, don't you have any pride in yourself? Don't you have dignity? You're going to send that guy? Of all of the people, he's the best you got, really. So this week, what's his face? <laughs> Warren Hurst from Kentucky. No, Tennessee, I'm sorry, Tennessee. Commissioner Warren Hurst from Tennessee. He's telling us that the whole world is coming to an end. It's, a, it's hell on earth out there because we have a gay man running for the presidency. I'll, I'll, play, I'll just start playing it. You people with small children out there, they live to be our age, and they ain't something done in this country. We keep letting these liberal Democrats right. into the sanctuary cities. Right. We keep letting them run Liberal Democrats and these sanctuary cities. Like, who gives a sh Nobody's coming to Kentucky, honey. Liberal Democrats and these sanctuary cities. Now, sweetheart, shut your effing pasty-faced mouth with your stupid... Uh, freaking toothpicks sticking out of your mouth. You're at a you're at a public meeting, but th there it doesn't matter. He got he got um, there was some pushback on him, but listen to the applause. Everyone's applauding and, and agreeing with this idiot. How's Tara Junior Junior doing? You ask on the chat. Let's see. Let me just pause that first. Oh, look at Francis in the back, and look at Tara Junior Junior right here. Will you say hello to everyone, Tara Jr.? <laughs> He's so cute. All right. Anyway, let me see. Let's resume. We can't let them run, run, these, run this country. That's running this country. This is the one that the, this is who's supposed to run the country. People like him. And look at the guy in the front. The only good thing about this and them is that they're not long for the world. Do you know what I mean? We're all finite, but they're a little bit more finite. 
they're closer to meeting their the Jesus they pretend to worship. We've got running for president in the, in the Democratic Party. We've got, we could go over here and house these jail and get better people out. Better people, really? And, well, thank you. Uh, this is what I'm always saying about Republicans. They have, they they suck on the government teat daily without the courtesy or the manners or the maturity to simply say thank you. Because this idiot lives, probably he has Social Security, he has Medicare, he has a decent, whatever, I don't know what his life is like. It's, it, he's a very sad human being, obviously, but that's besides the point. But the, the, he has these things because of the benefits that we, that liberals fought for him. Even a douchebag like Warren Hurst. We didn't leave him behind as much as he would like to leave us behind. And he's... He, all right, let me just... Complete, what are we saying? <laughs> and they're all laughing. It's time. It's time that we start doing something. I've got two young grandkids. I hate to think what they're going to face in this country if, if we keep... I hate to think what they're going to face in this country. He's not talking about climate change. He's not talking about the rise in anti-gay violence or the hate crimes against the minority group du jour. He's talking about the fact that gays have a seat at the table, that minorities are representing other people in this country. They don't know their place. That's what his problem is. He, he's really upset that, you know, he can't say the N-word. with. I mean, I'm sure he does, but he can't say it without some liberal bitch like me saying something to him and making him feel bad or, you know, put him in, giving him, uh, putting him in check a little bit. He don't like that because he's, he's white. Warren Hurst has he lived his whole life being able to kick down on the brown. So he doesn't like that they're getting a little uppity for him, especially, you know, two men or people with the same peepees having, a, having the freedom to form a marriage contract. That's just, woo! That ain't American to him. I mean, this is the this is the American Taliban. This is the the you would know you know this is somebody that would be putting on a white hood, riding through town in the middle of the night, and going out and uh, committing acts of terrorism against Americans who don't know their place. But these liberals, yep. by golly, they'll be told what time to go to bed, what time to get up, and, and what they can do and what they can say. Really? We would show them what time to go. I don't give a shit what time he goes to bed. Because as long as he doesn't wake up, that I'm fine. No, I'm only kidding. I wish him the happiest of lives, this man. But good thing we're, we continue to evolve. Russia and Cuba won't be nothing. Oh, the oppression in Cuba. But the thing that's so... It's like listening to a drunk rant on the on a subway track or something you know not a track on in the subway station you know some some um mentally ill alcoholic ranting we wouldn't hear it here i guess i don't know like on uh, in a bar stool just about just as he's falling off the bar stool it, and but this is someone that they put as a commissioner a county commissioner 
in Tennessee. And we're the normal people of the world, those who are capable of functioning in a free democratic society. We're supposed to listen to him. That's why we, we have to get rid of these Republican, uh, well, and especially this goddamn electoral college where we have, we're at, under the tyranny of these right-wingers who receive fewer votes. So because people like Warren, Je- Warren, I was going to say Warren Jeffs, what's the difference, right? Uh, Warren, what's his last name? The county commissioner, Warren uh, Hurst. Says a, ca- a Tennessee County Commissioner, this is from CBS News, launched into a homophobic rant at a local meeting Monday night, claiming that a queer running for president is as ugly as you get. Not the homophobia, not the hate. It's the, it's the fact that the queer is running. They don't see that as progress. Right? And it's this rambling soup of... Republican conspiracy theories and fear. It's we got uh, taxes and and uh, communism and the uh, nanny state and uh, gays and uh, you better believe it guns and you know, this guy, this guy. That's your leader. It's been time. It's past time. It's then listen to the crowd. It's been time. It's past time. Amen. Amen. Preach, brother. That's what he's preaching. Not that when it juxtapose this with the the uh, Elijah Cummings funeral, where Elijah Cummings' widow is saying he felt for other people. He worked for other people. He he cared about his community. And then, and people going, amen, amen. Then juxtapose it with this c- county commissioner. And they're saying, amen, amen, to this hate-riddled rant of an old throwback to what, I don't know where the hell, what year this is, what time, am I in a time machine now? What the hell is going on? But this is, this guy is who, he, you know, this is the Republican base right here. Look at that guy in the front laughing. We got a queer running for president. Well, what do you want to do about that? String him up, maybe? Lynch him, maybe? Well, what do you want to do? These filthy bastards, right? And you have they, and they're voting Republican because why? Be, because why? You know, white white men. White men can't have can't lose their power. These are the every day when I talk about the Republicans being unfit to hold leadership positions in a modern nation. This is what I'm talking about. Which, if you want a modern nation, a nation where you, that you can be proud of, a nation of of a uh, that cultivates the general welfare over the welfare of the corporate elite. A nation that does great things, that leaves no one behind, then you don't vote for you uh, for somebody like Warren Hurst. You don't vote Republican. These people are incapable. How would we ever get anywhere with a with a Warren Hurst? They don't evolve. They hate this country. They're not capable of living in this country. You understand? Like, listen to what he's actually saying. 
It's not about the we got a queer running for president. He is incapable of living in a free, diverse society, meaning he hates this country because that's what that's what this country is. This is a free. Well, you know, at least it's what they tell us. This is a free democratic Republican Republic nation of laws a diverse country of 320 million people that aren't just white men. And Warren Hurst can't handle that. That means he hates this country and he's doing everything that he can to ensure that it never actualizes the the promises in our founding documents. That's what he's doing. He is working against this country's best interests. Somebody walks out. This is good for her. She's like, I'm gonna listen to this shit, and she walks out. They're killing babies. I mean, it's like a, it's a, it's a soup of 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 Republican, you know, manias. Aborted, unboarded. I mean, I don't, I, it's like, what? This old, this old cracker. That's the Republican base. And we're supposed to all be like, here, here in this diverse country, we're all supposed to be like, oh yeah, let's, uh, let's all adopt, uh, let's all make our laws and society to please someone like Warren Hurst. Who needs to, who really needs to retire, frankly. Go, go home, honey. Go fish. Go fishing or something. Go watch, uh, go watch TV. Use your social security, your socialist security to buy a television and just sit home and shut the F up. He thinks he's giving a speech like, like Martin Luther King. Get, you know, I had a dream speech. He think he's getting such a reaction from the crowd the, it's such a positive feedback from the crowd that there he keeps going. That's the thing. He's in his mind. He's ha, he's rallying the crowd. He's giving this rousing, truth-telling speech for the ages. So, folks, it is past time. It's past time. Yes. Yeehaw! And they're all applauding. This, this is where we live. Here he goes. I've had my tail shot out defending this country. Defending this country, what? And, and I, I, I played for old glory about that. I, got, I, don't, yeah. believe you, I don't believe I don't even know what the hell he's saying. Yeah. They are. That's what's running this country today. What's running this country? A bunch we're, of... We're, that, we're sitting here and letting people come in here yeah, there you go. There it is. Thugs, thugs. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. A few good ones may be following. A good ones. What? What did he say? Not that it matters. A few good ones may be following. He's telling you the truth. He's telling you the truth. We're being run by thugs from these other countries. We've got to run for president, a Democratic primary. You see, we have one running for president, a thug. I wonder who they mean. We've got thugs. We just got rid of one. We got rid of one, you know, a thug. The, the Obama, the a decent human being. 
Not like, because they don't know decency if it bit them on Twitler's balls. One president. Oh, it's time to stand up. Stand up, white people. Let me tell you one more thing. Oh, not, he's got I'm another one. I'm, wait, 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 wait. There it is. I'm not prejudiced. Rocky, one president. Like that. Oh, it's Amen. time to stand Amen. up. It's kind of stand up. Let me tell you one more thing. Oh boy. I'm not prejudiced. <laughs> I'm not prejudiced. Doesn't it always end that way? I'm not prejudiced. I'm not a racist. I'm not a Nazi. You no, but they they could be goose stepping with a swastika on their arm. I'm not a Nazi. I'm not prejudiced. Of course he's prejudiced. This, like I say, they don't need a wall. They need a mirror, these freaks. But they'll never look at themselves. If only they got help for their manias instead of inflicting it on us, on decent society. The world well, would be a better white, place. A white male in this country has very few rights. You see that? The white male in this country has very few rights. And there you go. And I'm looking at the time. We have to stop the show. But that's a good place to stop because exactly what we were saying. The white male in this country has very few rights. How do they ever get along? How do they do it, the white man? How do they, ever, do they scrape themselves up from nothing, from all the oppression that they feel constantly of not being able to say the N-word, of not being able to pinch somebody's ass or put a bitch in her place, of not being able to ride out in the middle of the night and, and commit terrorism without having any repercussions, of not being able to get away with the crimes and tax cheating, draft dodging the, uh, of, uh, of a con man. How do they endure? <sighs> this is what we're up against. But... We, good thing, you know, we will keep evolving, and we will. We will continue to evolve without them. And hopefully we can evolve uh, together, but honestly, we need to start having that conversation. I know we're having it, but please get out of this country. These, these, uh, do we really need that man? Do we need Warren, the commis Commissioner Warren? Let them secede. And the other thing I wanted to say is that you know Warren's real problem. You know why he's so upset about queers running for president, too, is that they, one of the telltale signs of being a closet case is you're a friggin' homophobe. He can't handle it. That others, human beings, have the courage to live authentic lives. So he's so, he's so obsessed by it. He's angry. What a sad, sad way to go through your limited lifespan as a Republican, isn't it? They're so sad. Walk around worrying about two people having a, a marriage contract. What, what does that have to do with him? But he's too, I don't know what, he's too stupid to figure out that that's what freedom means. That's what it means to have an equal protection under the law. And that's what it means to be an American. We are the patriots capable of functioning in a free, diverse, democratic society. We're not blown away by a diverse culture and having people who aren't white in the positions of power. We're not that cowardly that we, we, we run to the arms 
of a tax-cheating, draft-dodging con man who received fewer votes to say, oh, save us from the scary, complex world of others who don't know their place. Ugh. They're just unfit. Okay, well, the end, they're not going to evolve. It's man-babies. Man-baby. All right, guys, my name is Tara Devlin. We will be back next week, Saturday, for sure. Thank you, everyone, for your super chats and for participating and for all of your support constantly. And thank you, Len, for your amazing letter and, uh, and your donation and all of the patrons. Please go to patreon.com slash Tara Devlin to support RGT Daily and Tara Buster. And as I always say, we stick together, we win, and we will win. We will, because a person like Warren is... Uh, he, he's the past. All right. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hopefully I'll be able to do a weekday special this week. So I'll see you. I'll see you soon.